everyone. This is Melanie, and welcome to episode 180 of the Savvy Girls podcast. I'm podcasting to you from Washington Heights in New York City. It's just me today, unless one of my roommates walks in and decides to join in. So sit back. There's no need to knit. You don't have to knit. It's just us. Don't worry or crochet. Just put it away for a while and enjoy the show. And I say, wait, hey, hey, it's just an ordinary day. And it's all your state of mind. At the end of the day, you just got to say it's all right. All right, everyone, let's go and I guess let's see if I can fill an hour worth of interesting talking. But actually, I think I can. I have a lot to talk about. So, all right, I am here in New York City. Two weeks ago, I podcasted from St. Albert, Alberta, where I was with Savvy Mom and the Bird, of course, visiting Mom and Colette. And then I'm working on the CD. I'm talked about it a little. I'm about to talk about it more. I finally have time to talk about it properly. So I'm working on the CD. I'm almost done. It's been a year. It's been over a year now. I think I started it last November. And so it's been it's been quite a while. And as much as this is the best thing I've ever done in my life, it's it's kind of it's time to finish the CD. I could go on forever with it. But at a certain point, it has to be done. So we're just finishing up the mixing. And yes, I didn't need to be here for that. But I wanted to because it's easier to put in changes and tweaks and and this and that if you're actually sitting in the studio. So I wanted to come here and do that. Some of my friends were performing in town here, and I wanted to see them perform. And to be honest, Edmonton's pretty dire I love mom. It's fantastic. Mom, you're listening. I love you. I love visiting you. And the bird, it's a mad. She's a magic bird. I mean, come on. Who wouldn't want to spend their day with a magic bird? And I have one friend, one lovely friend who has an adorable baby and is busy because of said adorable baby and her full-time job. And that's it. That is it. I have nothing else there. And there's kind of nothing to do there when you're alone all day sitting on the couch. And I tried going on a few dates there and all anyone can talk about are, okay, maybe, I guess I should put a warning. Maybe I, people like warnings. So maybe you shouldn't listen to this at work. It's going to be mostly appropriate, but okay. So I went on a, you've been warned. So I went on a couple dates in Alberta just to go on a couple dates and the dates were with guys this time. And the guys basically talked about all the other bad dates they've had, which is a common theme, but about how hard it is to sneak out of a, of a woman's house when she has children after spending a night of passion with her. Or they talk about their own children. And I, it just... Or they talk about their karaoke or sports. And I just... I can't relate. I can't. I can't do it. I just sit there thinking, wow, I just want to run as far as I can from this entire province and country and people and just I feel trapped after half a coffee date it is in no way scintillating or exciting or rewarding and so I, I stopped doing that and they all have trucks also nothing wrong with trucks but it's it's just uh, I just I can't even I can't uh, it's hard to describe what it's like unless you're actually doing it I just, I can't, I can't even. So, so that did not go well. And 
I'm, I'm sure mom was getting sick of me after a couple weeks of me. Well, I guess it was maybe a week. I don't even remember now of me whinging about the house just being miserable because I have basically no one to see and nothing to do. And it's minus 40. So the opportunity came to leave to leave. Oh, glory. Um, I had a friend here, actually not a friend, someone I, he, he was my accompanist back when I was in school. I don't think we were podcasting then. We might've just, no, it was before it was 2008. We hadn't podcasted yet. And I was in opera school here in New York. And my accompanist was a lovely young man for my master's postmasters recital. And We've been following each other on Facebook for the last 10 years, but we haven't actually really talked. So I put out a call to everyone in New York saying, I might be coming to town. Does anyone know of a flat I might sublet for a few days? And he was off to China performing, and I am in his flat. So here I am in New York. It's It will have been when I leave in a few days, two weeks in New York. And oh man, part of me is exhausted by New York, but another part... I just, I don't want to leave. I don't want to go back to Alberta. I do not want to go back. I want to stay. But um, since I have no choice, I am leaving. Yes. All right. So let me talk a bit about Washington Heights instead of whinging the whole podcast because it can dangerously get to that, I think, if I start talking about that. So I am staying in a, it's actually a beautiful Lee floored, beautiful floor, apartment up here in Washington Heights. The area is interesting because I think originally, I mean, not originally, originally, but say 20 years ago, it was a very Spanish area. It's still very Spanish, which, which is fun. It's a neat flavor. The people are so nice. And that area, what has sort of moved into the area are classical musicians because all the jazz guys seem to move to Brooklyn and all the classical guys seem to move up here. And in fact, I lived up here three blocks from here in 2010, I think. Yes. 2010. That might've, we were podcasting when we started the podcast. I was living up in Washington Heights and 156 and St. Nicholas, I think. And now I'm at 158th and Broadway. So very close, very, very close. And I have a couple roommates here during my temporary stay. I have two young violinists who just graduated from Juilliard and some Someone who does, he's a guy, he does something or other to do with business, kind of, maybe freelancy, and he plays, he has a wonderful ear for piano. And there's a Steinway in here also. So we've got the Juilliard girls, the guy who plays jazz and a lot of hymns, a lot of hymns on the piano and me, and we're all in this apartment and it sounds like anything could happen, you know, theoretically, if this were a sitcom. The thing is, they are all considerably younger than I am. I think the Juilliard kids are something like 22. And even when I outright lied about my age by 10 years, they're still so much younger than I am. So that that's a little weird. I feel really old up here. And also, after living in a nice apartment in New York and having the privacy of living with Deborah and not having eight zillion roommates and you know, the occasional cockroach in the kitchen at night and food from possibly three roommates ago still in the fridge. I just, I can't go back to this. It's just, I mean, you know, you find random condom wrappers around the apartment and lube and it's fine and and mysterious smudges on surfaces and okay, but also I, I don't think I can go back to this 
for more than a couple weeks at a time. So that makes my New York living options unless, you know, some wonderful, generous person gives me a house or an apartment. Um, it makes them pretty limited, unfortunately, because I don't want to leave. So, okay. Let me talk a bit, I guess, about what I've been doing in New York. Cause I mean, it was interesting for me anyway, get out your knitting, start counting stitches and we'll get through this. So in Edmonton, as I said, I did nothing. I sat on the couch a lot. I played games on my mom's iPad far too much. And I specifically do not have games on my computer or my phone because I, I think it sucks your life away. It, it doesn't accomplish anything. It doesn't make you better at anything. It just makes time pass. And I think that's super dangerous. I think that's incredibly dangerous because we don't want to lose time. We want to use, I think people should want to use their time in the most rewarding way possible. And playing Bubble Witch 2 is not, is not that thing that makes time, precious time, full of valuable activities. However, in Alberta, there's nothing else to do. I went for pizza a couple times with my friend and her baby. Yeah, that's it. And hung with mom. I mean, it's, it's always lovely hanging with mom. We went to a movie and then did bird activities. So, you know, bird activities involve making food for the bird and trying to give the bird a bath and having her say no and sitting in the bathroom while she watches from the towel rack and cuddling with the bird and watching movies with the bird. There's lots of bird activities. It's great. But that, um, kind of it. So then I came to New York and in the week and some I've been here, I've seen a Broadway show. I saw Come From Away. Deborah actually got me seats as a birthday present. Well, a seat as a birthday present. And since it was a stormy day, they canceled, a bunch of people canceled their tickets. And I ended up with second row center in this Broadway theater. Amazing, amazing seats. And it's mostly the original cast who have won, were, were nominated for and who won Tonys. So it's, it's, it's always really special to see the original cast because I'm a huge fan. See a show if you can. If they tour to your city, go see it. But there's something about an original cast that's just, it's really neat. You're part of an experience. So I saw that. Um, I saw one, two, three different jazz shows in New York. So that's always a treat. I'm getting to understand jazz a little better. I went skating in Prospect Park. So yes, if you're in New York, that is all the way down in Brooklyn. But there are no tourists. This is not where tourists go. And you just take the train to Prospect Park. There's a lovely rink there. It's $14. You rent skates and you skate. It's, it's outside. And between 9 and 11 in the morning, they pipe classical music through the loudspeakers. So you're skating around to classical music. And it honestly, it's amazing. It's it's such a special experience and it's exercise and it's just lovely. So I did that. This morning, a friend invited me to go to this really cool movie theater in the Lower East Side. It's an area of the city I've never seen before. And we went to this movie theater and all the seats are made from repurposed barrels. Not even kidding. And we saw Disney's Robin Hood. So that 1970s Robin Hood, which I haven't seen since I was a kid. And it wasn't a great print of it. It was missing a few seconds here and there. There's some X's on some of the cells. So this was definitely not a first, a first run, a first rate print of the movie. But we were sitting in these barrel chairs and 
it was just, it was really neat. And I don't watch a ton of Disney movies, but even I could tell some of that animation was reused from other movies, which is what they did in those days. So since you were hand drawing cells to crank out the movies as quickly as you can, there'd be a scene, say, with musicians playing. And in one, they'd be the Aristocats. And in another, they would just sub it in. And instead, it would be, they would just draw slightly different animals on the original sketches. And they would be whatever they were here in Robin Hood. Also, if you have watched Robin Hood lately, the king, not good King Richard, but the bad king, John, I think his name was John, he's orange colored and he just wants the rich to stay rich. And there was a, it's, it's definitely a political equivalent of something that is currently going on. And everyone in the theater definitely got that. So the kids were enjoying the movie and the adults were just killing themselves laughing over over um, how similar this evil king in Robin Hood was to a certain current president in the United States. So the, completely enjoyable. That was, that was so much fun. What else? Um, I've managed to... Let's see. I went to the museum. I went to the Met Museum and ended up getting a free lunch in the cafe there. So that's nice. I've um, oh, now I, I can't talk too much about doing the assessments that I do of restaurants and hotels and things because I had to sign something saying I wouldn't talk about it on social media. So I can't be specific in any way. But, but the other day I was actually given an assignment where I got to go into a hotel. I was given a room for three hours and I had to order room service in a five-star hotel in Midtown. And so a friend showed up. I met my contact, got my t- key, got my five-star hotel room, which I had for three hours. My friend came over. We ordered all the room service. We signed it to the room, and we walked away. <laughs> it was amazing. I mean, yes, I had to write a report about it, but what a fun, what a fun way to see an old New York-style hotel. So I did that. And I also ended up doing a couple corporate cafeterias. So I, I went into different companies and had to pretend to be an employee and got to got to explore their cafeteria and have lunch. So that was neat also. Um, what else have I done? My fr- I, I had a birthday. My birthday happened. It, it I was sort of dreading it anyway. Yes, dreading it. And I a couple of my friends here were kind enough to take me out for dinner. So we did that. And um, what else have I done? I went to some of my favorite stores and just, I bought a purse. I haven't bought a purse for years, actually, several years. And it was time to buy, to buy a new purse. The one I borrowed forever from Deborah is falling apart. And my mech bag, which I love, I burnt a hole in the bottom, unfortunately, by putting it on a, a recessed light in Paris. And I, I should probably take it back. They would probably replace it. But I, there was a purse at Talbot's. And as you know from previous podcasts, Talbot's is a mix between between old lady clothes and amazing clothes. And the purses are the same. So I'm not 100% sure if this is an old lady purse or a trendy purse or a classic purse. But it's purple and I love it. So... There we go. What else did I do? Oh, I hung out with Tina, our Tina and Barry, our former neighbors. And Tina and I went to Brooklyn. There was a jewelry store she wanted to go to there for years. And so we, we did that trek the day of the Women's March. So I missed the Women's March because I didn't know it was happening. And 
then I was on the subway and there were all these people in the amazing pussy hats and their signs and I was heading away from them to Brooklyn to go to a jewelry store and ah, I wanted to just hop the train and join in. But I had promised and so I just, I, I enjoyed the people on the train and did not actually participate. Also, if I were to get arrested, not that people were being arrested, but if I were, I would likely lose my visa in the States. So I have to be a little bit careful about that, but mostly just I had made plans with my older neighbor and I hadn't remembered. Yes, should have remembered. I guess the the whole having a birthday two days before sort of eclipsed anything else in my brain. So I did that. Um, what I've worked on the CD, of course, and I'm going to talk about that soon. I know I've done even more than that. There's just been running around. Maybe that's it. A lot of, lot of subway time. Getting to Brooklyn takes an hour and a half. So it feels like I've spent most of my time here on the subway. But, oh, happy hour. Hamburger happy hour. If you are ever in New York, they have happy hour at Five Napkin Burger at 83rd Street where it's something like $3 or $4 to get mini burgers. They're really good. And... Yeah, so there's always has to be burger happy hour. So my friend and I went. Luckily, he showed up sick and I have not caught it. So it wasn't thrilled about that, but was thrilled about burger happy hour. And then I worked in the studio, which I'll talk about in a second. So if you compare all of those things, and I mean, in, also there have been visits to cafes, to coffee shops, bookstore. No, I haven't seen a bookstore. I take that back. Um sex store when my friend and I went to the sex store <laughs> so I went with um, went with one of my friends she had to buy a vibrator to match her mac so she found one the same the same shade of of silver so she was very pleased about that i so i did the, there was that and just i feel like i've done everything everything in the last 10 days whereas the previous 10 days or so in alberta there's just nothing there's just it's nothing <sighs> meanwhile i'm pretty exhausted and need a coffee break i think if for a couple days when i'm done when i'm done in new york there will be a coffee detox for a couple days and that will be rough and then back to lattes i guess anyway so that dear listeners is what i've been doing started on the Ravelry site. Here, let me just open up it up. I started an Ask Us Anything thread, and most of them, most of these questions I'd rather answer with mom. But someone did ask a very good question. Who was it? It was Mnitz asked a couple good questions today, and I thought I would answer them. So the first question is, it, it's about the CDs. Well, most of the questions are about the CDs. So we'll start with question number five, which was, when will you visit Deborah next? That's a very good question. Deborah is currently in Ottawa with her babies and her husband. The babies are bigger now. They are they were born on the 3rd of December and it's now January 21st, so they're not quite 2 months. They are one is bigger than the other. I think one is 5 pounds and one is 4, I think. I think so one of them is out of preemie clothes and into newborn and the other is still wearing preemie clothes. They're fine. They're absolutely fine. They're just small. There's nothing wrong with them. They are perfectly healthy babies who kind of look like frogs. And there's a good thing Deborah doesn't listen 
and they make the weirdest faces and they look exactly like their dad, which I don't know that girls should do. I don't, maybe that, maybe that'll change, but they're cute. And, and there we go. I, um, I don't know when I'm going to visit her. I'd like to see them. I would. Part of me, it's really hard not to just run there and be helpful and see them. But at the same time, I don't want to get in the way of Deborah's life. And I think that I need to be careful that I don't put my life aside running to other people, which is what I tend to do to help out as much as I'd like to help out. And I would. But I also I'm trying to make some pretty big decisions about my own life, where to live, you know, is what I'm doing working. I've got to get my stuff out of storage. I need to figure out how to get more money for what I do and and more constant work and all of this stuff and running off and staying in Ottawa and helping with the babies. That just puts all this off. And I, I don't think that's a good idea for me. So I'm not sure. Soon, I hope. I guess that's the answer for that. Um... Okay, question number four. What knitting fiber events are you going to attend this year? Will Savvy Mom join you at any of these? Good question. (sighs) I guess now that Savvy Mom has babies to visit, it gets her over to that side of the country a little easier. So I would love to haul Mom to Rhinebeck, to be honest. Um, I think that would be fantastic. Who knows? Because... I mean, I went to Rhinebeck with a group of people this year that I won't be going with again next year. So I don't have my group. I I don't want to pay hundreds of, again, it's, I'm used to going to Rhinebeck. I'm used to organizing this and, and having, you know, you spend money to go there. And I just, I need to figure out what I'm doing with my life. Honestly, I mean, of course the performing and it's going really well, but, but I need to find, I need to get a home. So I just don't know if I'm, if I'm, I would love, I, I, I don't know. It's really lonely to go to them alone. Maybe Maryland, maybe Rhinebeck. I guess I just, I just don't know. So I will have to let you know about that. Yes. Okay. Um, number three, we're moving backwards. What are the details of all your concerts? Where can we go buy tickets for the events? I do a web, I have a web page, which I update. I know I, I have to update it actually, but I have a web page. It's took hours to make actually. So check out my web page. It's melaniegall.com and all the, the details of the performances are on, are on there. I'm still lining up a bunch of upcoming performances. So there are a bunch of things that are possibly happening, but they haven't been confirmed, but hopefully they're happening soon. So I guess just keep checking the web pages and I will announce things as they come. As things stand now, I have a bunch of concerts in the UK happening in the spring, in April and in June and in August. I will be in Winnipeg in July and Regina again for their fringe festivals. Oh, and Edmonton at the end of August and um, at this point, that's, that's kind of what I have scheduled. If, if anyone has any, if anyone needs a singer, I am singer to hire. I have spent a lot of time working on the new show that I, I will have coming out this summer, two new shows actually, and on the CD. And so I've been doing more creating than hustling lately, which unfortunately leads to not gigs. <laughs> so if anyone has any ideas, please let me know because I did sort of drop the ball on that this fall. I've just been so busy and yeah. So I guess that's the answer to that question. 
I, I also will probably do some kind of tour for the CD, but again, I just, there's so much, there's so much to do when you're freelancing. It's just, I, tonight after I'm finished this, I need to design a bunch of posters for venues in the UK and, and order them. So they're sent to the venues. That's my next thing for tonight. And then I need to, um, write a bunch of copy for spring brochures. So for, for the UK again, and, and make them each bespoke for the venue. So it never ends everything. It never ends. The first and second question, the, that one, the, okay, this is going to be fun. So what is this CD all about? What am I going to be buying? Actually, a longer explanation could probably be followed by one minute updates and later episodes if it's the sort of thing that takes a long time to make. How do you make a CD anyway? So the CD. I've made CDs before. There was the knitting CDs from World War One, World War Two. I have a, a Vera Lynn CD a Hebrew song CD I made a long, long time ago. And mom, mom actually is playing clarinet on that. And some of the songs my Zeta wrote. But that was the first CD I made a long time ago. And I have a Piaf and Braille CD. And the, the Vera Lynn and the Piaf and Braille CD are things basically to hawk after concerts because people like buying a thing. So they were they were done pretty quickly. I, I, I'm proud of them. I really like them. But they they basically, I went in the studio, recorded the instruments, recorded the voice, tweaked it up a little, um, mixed it, and bang, CD. So for that, that's how that works. Now, this CD, and this was the same as the knitting CDs, it's a little more complicated. So with this CD, I did it right. And by doing it right, it means it was incredibly expensive. Basically, any money I had saved towards having a home, getting my things out of storage, paying back my student loans, yeah, any money... Any money I had saved towards, you know, living, um, getting a place to live, any, any, basically any money I had saved and money I have not yet made has gone towards this CD. It's so expensive to do it right. And you know what? I'm not sorry because I am so proud of what it is. So to make a CD, for me to make the CD, I've been thinking about making the CD for approximately six years. What is it about? It, it's my, my, they're my favorite, my 12 favorite songs, essentially. I picked the 12 songs that I like most in the entire world that I would love to sing. Not what I think would sell, not what I, I hope someone else would like, but I did this for me. And that's why I'm, I'm happy I spent the money on it because most of what I sing, most of the other things that I sing or I perform, I love doing, but I do it because it sells or I do it because someone's hired me. I've done this for me. So I took the 12 songs that I like best in all the world and I worked with my my pianist in Brooklyn. He's so talented. So I worked with him to take them, to arrange them. So to, to take the music and basically write it out in, in charts so the different musicians could, we had to pick keys, write it out in charts for the different musicians so they would be able to play it, decide which musicians we'd want, decide what key we'd like it in, decide what style we'd like it in, because it's not exactly verbatim as the original song. These are original arrangements of, of the original songs. So they're, they're new versions of the songs. Some of them are quite different from the original. Some of them, there's this rock song from 1977, I think, and we we did several of the same instruments and it's the same feel as the original. Other ones we've taken and we we took one folk song and we added electric guitar. So it's 
there was a lot of talking back and forth about how to make them interesting, how to make them original while still keeping the sentiment and the emotions and, and the feel of the song. So how to make them something that people would want to listen to and not just a copy of the original song. So that, that took a while. That took quite a while. So we did that. Then we had to hire musicians and which I left to my recording engineer because he, you know, he always knows the guy. So he knew guys and gals and he hired the musicians. We rehearsed with the musicians and we recorded and that was over a year ago now when we, when we did that. So all the musicians were in the studio together. I had, at various times, I had a pianist bass, so that a tall upright bass. I had an electric guitar, acoustic guitar, mandolin, fiddle violin, and drums and percussion, and then organ. So quite a few instruments. And... I was in the isolation room because so, there's one isolation room there. So it's essentially a soundproof room where I can sing. They can all hear me in their earphones, but I don't show up on the tape because that, dear listeners, is when I had bronchitis. So I also set all the keys when I had bronchitis. So the songs are a little bit lower than I probably would have sung them any other time ever. However, once, you know, this is when we recorded the Mindy's keys. That's done is done. And honestly... It makes singing. It made singing them a bit of a challenge at times because the low notes are incredibly low. However, the end result sounds amazing, so I'm really, really pleased with the keys, even though they maybe weren't the smartest decision. Anyway, so we recorded the songs. We spent two days in the studio recording all the instruments, all the instruments of all the songs, and then I went away. This in February, I went away last year, and I listened to them, and I realized that the fiddle slash violin was flat, consistently flat. And you can tune things a little bit in a studio, but when everything's playing in the same room, and the violin is also being picked up in the mic with the bass and the mic with the mandolin, and the, you you can't. So. I had to come back to New York and I had to get all the musicians in the studio again with a new fiddle, a new violinist. And we recorded, some of them didn't have her, but the ones with her on, we had to re-record all of those. Yes. So then that was, so then that was that. The next thing I listened to all of the takes because we would record the songs three or four times each and I would pick which version I liked. And often with the jazz songs, they, they take solos. So they're, they're making up jazz solos as we go, the different instruments. So some of the solos worked better than others. Some of them I liked better than others. So I picked what I liked best, the different verses of the songs, the different solos from the songs. And then I went back into the studio last spring and we cut up the different songs no, this is before I hadn't sung really yet, not for real. So we cut up the different songs and we put together how the instruments would sound. So then we basically had an, a, an instrumental track from every song. Then we went in and added instruments. So that's when we added the organ. That's when we added, so we actually called the drummer one morning and we needed some, uh, was it Tom Tom drum, I think? And we, we called him and we just asked, hey, what are you up to? And he's like, oh, I'm just biking around. So we said, you know, can you just come over and play drums for 10 minutes? I'll throw you at 20, basically. So he came over, he played these two, was it two or four bars on the drum? And then he left. So we added this, we added that, we added, um, it's not vibraphone, something or other. So we added all these instruments. And so all of a sudden it's even more interesting. And then it was time for me to do the vocals, which I've been working on since 
June since May. Unfortunately, uh, I had a lot of bronchitis last year, so my voice came back pretty slowly. (sighs) Not this year, kids. Not this year. So I started singing them then, and it's been going, it has been going slowly because they're each such a different style. And just because I love a song didn't mean that I had ever sung, say, a country song or say a folk song or a rock song or a sea shanty. These are all styles that I ascend, I basically hadn't ever sang. These are all styles with which I was familiar listening. I was not familiar singing. So we, I've basically been teaching myself to sing these different styles as we go. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And then I have to go back and do them again. And so that's been going a little slowly. Also, I don't live in New York, so, so I stop in. Whenever I stop in, it's, you know, you're tired and you've been traveling and you don't always feel up to singing, but you have to. So the vocals have been a little slow since, like I said, I started them in, I think it was June and now it is January, but I am almost done. I almost done the vocals, but it basically, okay. I finished the vocals as far as I knew. And then I left town in December and he started mixing and mixing. You take the different levels, you choose what direction you want the instruments to come out from. So sometimes say there is a drum and you can actually move it from left to right in the speakers. So you don't just hear it static. You, it can be, it makes it more interesting. It gives the song a shape. It gives, sometimes you want a certain piano line to come through. So you ride the vocals, you have a knob and you, you, you make it louder for some, quieter for some, couple little pitch things we tweaked because singing isn't always perfect. And we added some harmonies. So the, the mixing has taken a while and is almost done. So then, so that happened. Then I listened to it again after taking a break. And you know, some of the vocals were amazing. Some of the vocals could be better. So it was go back, see if any of the old takes are good. Uh, there are a couple things that I am re-singing this week. So I, I guess there still is singing to do. Go back, listen, make sure all the words can be easily discerned. Some of them say the S's have too much S. And so we need to get rid of some of that S. Some of them, the T's don't have enough T. So we have to add a little T. So there's all of that, go through the songs, make sure there's there's nothing, that the words can be understood clearly. Make sure that I like, because there are different, what they do now as for the mixing is you add, you add a vibration. So do you want it like it's in a hall? Do you want it as if it's in a room? The people have gone around and, and calculated Somehow they programmed different famous historic recording studios. So you can you can say, I want this studio like from 1972 in L.A. and put that as a filter on it and it'll reverb as if you were playing in that recording studio or that hall. It's, it's amazing, but it's picking which one of those works best. So we've been doing that. We've been going through every song again and again and again, and they're so close. And what I've been doing tonight is I've been listening to them in earphones, just seeing as they're a little Sometimes there are little clicks if I touch the music stand or if the bow of the violin or the bow of the fiddle have touched the fiddle. There's a tiny little click, so we are going to take out those clicks tomorrow. And then for one final listen, just to see, is, is there any pitches that could be just tweaked a little bit? Are there any parts that need to be a little louder? The vocals aren't all in one take, so sometimes a verse and a chorus will be two different takes, so I need to make sure that where we've crossfaded the takes, there aren't two different breaths. So it's just, 
I think a lot of people just leave that to the recording engineer. But I do know something, I want to be involved with the process, number one. My engineer is really good about letting me be involved with the process, but I know a fair amount about audio editing, so I do want to be involved. And I know what I want. I know how I want it to sound. So yeah, we've been working on that. And once all this is done, he's going to finish mixing them. And then we send them away to be mastered, which is so expensive. It'll probably cost about $800. And basically some guy sits there and makes sure all the levels are, again, make sure all the levels are right. And just tweet. It makes it shiny. It makes it glossy. It makes it sound like a professional production. That's what it does. So once that's done, I've also been designing the art for the CD. I have someone to help me with that, but I'm doing it myself first. And then I'll send it away to Jared, my design guy, and he will tweak that. And then the actual production of the CD starts. I The physical production, putting them up online so it's on Spotify and Amazon and CD Baby. And so it'll be all over at some point whenever I release it. And that. Oh, I have to pay for the rights for the songs. I forgot about that. So that's a few hundred dollars each song because most of the songs are still in copyright. And so of course the songwriter needs to be paid for the rights. And so a giant pile of money that I do not have later, the CD will be done. And it is the best thing I've ever made. It is the thing I'm most proud of in my life, aside from the magic bird. And it will hopefully be around forever after I'm gone. I hope someone listens to it and says, wow, that girl was amazing. She loved some beautiful songs. And I am so proud of the CD. And it's, it is worth every penny. It's hard to feel that at the moment right now when there's not that many pennies and they're all going towards this. I'm thinking I should do a crowdfunding thing. Honestly, that's, that's basically people pre-ordering the CD, but doing it as crowdfunding. So that would possibly be a good idea. I was thinking, so I don't know though. I, I'm not sure what I think about that, but it, it might not be a bad idea. But yeah, I'm so proud of the CD. I'm kind of reticent to tell people they should buy it because I spend my life pitching things. This is why you should put on this show. This is why you should hire me. You know what? These are my favorite songs. These are me being the best I can be singing the best songs in the world. And in a way, I don't want to share it. I kind of don't want to release it. It's I would kind of just want to keep it for me, which is stupid. As many of my friends have told me, they, they said, you're crazy. Don't. What do you mean? You, you did all this work. Of course, you're going to release it. You know, you should be selling them. In a way, it's really personal and I don't want to. But the reality is I probably will because, you know, I'm a singer. I can't spend a year and a half on a project. That's how long it'll be by the time it's done and just keep it for myself. That's, that's ridiculous, I think. So yeah, that is how you make a CD. listening to episode 180 of the Savvy Girls podcast. If you'd like to reach me, I'm Melanie at SavvyGirls.ca. 
Uh, we are also online at Savvy Girls PCAST on Twitter. I am actually tweeting now and then. Um, let's see, Savvy Girls Podcast on Ravelry on Facebook. Melanie Presents is my Instagram. I also have Twitter under Melanie Presents. That's a lot of social media. Wow. Anyway, um, next episode will definitely have Savvy Mom because I'm going to go see her this week and we are definitely podcasting. And I'm going to try to convince Deborah to take a couple minutes away from the babies and do what's important, which is record a knitting podcast. So until then, tend to your knitting or crochet kitten.